Temperature 3 is unconscious. The helmet Bajira, like, the buffalo currently is an Andalite, runs past the Hawk Bajira into the woods following the kids. Yep. And that that's that pointless scene over. Um, yeah. We get a little bit of laying out the stakes as we know it. Everyone's tired as heck. Um, Vista 3 now knows that they've got the morphing cube. Uh, and he's definitely going to be on them pretty soon. Um, he looks at Cassie and says, we need someone to hang back here in the ravine. Um, Rachel immediately offers, of course, which is highlighted by both me and Cassie in the text. And um, Cassie is like, no, I will. I'm pretty sure the buffalo will stay and fight if I'm here in Buffalo Morph, which clearly is what Jake wanted to, her to do as a way to clear up the buffalo problem mm-hmm. um, as much as anything. Um, but this is to give the rest of the animals time to get into position, to get to the water. Um, and Jake takes the cube. And so Cassie's left there waiting. And we get something really fucking horrifying right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that upsets me kind of greatly. The, and the buffer Andalite shows up. Cassie coaches it back into Buffalo by turning by morphing herself. Um, they're both there. They're two buffaloes hanging in the woods. Um, and because it's followed her once before, it will keep doing so because she's the boss now. Um, but they're being chased. The Hawk Bajir chasing out. Visa 3 is leading the charge. Um, or is part of the charge and is turning into something oozy, acidic-like, uh, weird tentacles, uh, buzzsaw teeth, you know, one of his fun morphs that we'll never see again, um, perfectly suited to the train. And in a plan that she had already sussed out, to be clear, because um, we're skimming as we go, barrels to the edge of the drop-off to the water and jumps down knowing the other buffalo will follow her full on i'm going to use the term lemming styles off the edge of this drop off Mm -hmm. knowing that the other buffalo is going to follow her and just fucking hits the ground legs breaking in the process And Mm -hmm. it's horrible. And this is described well. Mm -hmm. Let's leave it at that. Um, Cassie's also, like, in a lot of pain. um, And is like, well, and just is aware that that could get infected. And also, but the buffalo's wounds could get infected. Um, She's realizing she's very close to passing out. Uh, the buffalo is crying in distress, as animals will do, um, and she coaches it through morphing human to heal the injuries and get away. And this is uh, fucked up in a number yeah. of ways. Yeah. Um, and we we learn that basically her making this decision to morph human and it mimicking her. Uh, and she coaxes it through it, right? She, she attempts, we don't know if 
this is doing anything for her cause, but she does attempt to, like, coax it through the morph like she has done with the others on many occasions. Um, and then, like, coaxes it to follow her. Um, and we get, we couldn't let it live, and yet everything inside me rebelled at the thought of killing it. I could have let it die back there. Marco and Rachel would probably say I should have, and Jake had expected me to, but I just couldn't. And I was at least partially responsible for its awful situation, to have walked away and left it when I knew a way to help it. Well, I just couldn't. If it had to die, it had to die fast, without excess pain. Not lingering, not inhumanely. Which I think is actually a good summary of what her position should be. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that thought of, like, it literally followed me off this cliff and was going to die a horrible death. And I couldn't just leave it. Right? Yeah. Um, like, I understand the thought process there, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, uh, but yeah, I've not just been calling this, like, Deus Ex Buffalo and Buffalo Ex Machina for a reason, like, because it keeps coming up and helping them Yeah, in different moments. It's utterly yeah. contrived. Because the fact of the matter is, it's all, she also comments on how quickly the buffalo could have died just on that after the run. And she's like, the pain has already happened mm -hmm. and is happening. Like, you're not avoiding anything by yeah. wanting to give it a quick death. It's already happened. Like, animals, I'm fairly certain, remember pain. <laughs> like, I think it varies from species to species. So I, I, I'm not a yeah. biologist. I'm no animal expert. Yeah. But, like, my cats know what the fucking flea treatment packet sounds like and will run the fuck away. <laughs> so, presumably because they don't like how it feels on. So, animals remember shit, is mm -hmm. my point. Um, yeah. And, again, this feels like one of those instances where a character, and it's normally ones that stuck on Cassie, but have decided that, or come to an understanding, I shouldn't necessarily say decided, they followed their gut or whatever to go, this is the best way to do this. This is, to use Cass's word, the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And become so certain of that fact that it may be they don't realise the implications. I'm thinking again about it was the more humane option to turn David into a rat and trap him as such and leave him on an island rather than uh -huh. kill him. Uh -huh. Like. Is that actually kinder? Or does it just seem like it in the moment and you now have to stick to the choice that you've made? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they, she and the buffalo catch up to the others, which like seems uh, redundant. Like they just did this thing. Where they sat and they caught up and then separated again. Like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> um, it's just like nothing is really learned or gained from these experiences other than what Cassie's willing to do 
It, yeah, it, again, it's that air of contrivance. So now we're just going to have another conversation with the kids that's going to get interrupted yes. by the enemy forces catching up with them again. Yes. Um, so notably, as they're sitting there, Cassie flicks an ant off the morphing cube um, and then later flicks it off of her leg. And at this point, you might realize where this is going. Because although we have now established that literally just brushing against the morphing cube is enough to gain the morphing power, it does not occur to Cassie that maybe it's a bad thing if an ant crawls over the morphing cube. Anyway, they get interrupted uh, after the buffalo is making some weird sounds that sound like good. Um, Marco, uh, talks back at it. No, not good. Bad. And the buffalo is like, bad? Um, and to, to, to lighten the mood a moment, I just like the notion of Axe sitting on the side, just be like, yes, human mouths. Great. Totally get this vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, all right, we got to keep moving. Anvil time. Um, Jake's like, you have to get it to morph back to Buffalo. It's probably safest that way. The rest of us will head out. We'll move slow enough for you to catch up. Um, and Jake doesn't tell her what she's supposed to do with the Buffalo, but everyone expects her to kill it. Because clearly Cassie can be trusted to kill the Buffalo. Uh, and so they all leave and she's left with the buffalo. Um, and she morphs the buffalo. Uh, and see, watches it finish its morph, which is great. Um, and then she like goes around to behind some bushes and then demorph and morphs into wolf. Um, and then runs away. Uh, leaving the buffalo just behind confused. Like, oh no, he went behind the tree and now there's a wolf and where is the other buffalo? Oh no. Uh, <sighs> yeah, they, they run, they keep running. Um, there's, she stops because she has to morph into bird to do the I don't know what what the fuck is happening here like I I assume now she's far enough out to get the elevation she needs to then right but like then why is the ant here Mm. I don't know Danielle I wish I could tell you I wish I had answers for any of this it doesn't make any sense Uh, no it doesn't because she literally she morphs wolf runs away until the faint scent of the salty ocean filled my nostrils, ran until the buffalo's cries had faded to whispers, replaced by the dull, insistent throbbing of a distant but approaching helicopter. I could hear the others padding swiftly through the woods in front of me and the faint crashing of the surf against the shoreline. I didn't want to think about the buffalo lost somewhere behind me. There's a helicopter doing a zigzag search back over the ravine. It's definitely tracking us, coming fast. 
Time for Operation Anvil to kick in, Jake said. The helicopter was getting closer. The plan had to work. I started to demorph. And I'm going to take a break here from just the nonsense, the, the nonsensicalness of everything so far. And I don't know where these kids are in space anymore. I cannot keep track of them anymore. Like, we're jumping around and skimming over shit, but please trust me when I say that I have to read each paragraph like three or four times in order to actually try to understand what happened in between paragraphs because there is no connective tissue. Yeah, you know that moment in Emperor's New Groove where Kronk pulls down the map and they're yes. just like, how do they get ahead of us? Just like, yeah, well, by all rights, it shouldn't make any sense. That's this book. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but we d- we do have a crowning moment of horror here. Um, it is fucked up. It is it is really fucked up, and we'll we'll talk about it in a second. I'll read it because it is, uh, it is a lot. So body horror incoming. Um, something was moving in front of me. Uh, I backed up, gaped at the ground in front of me. Something was growing fast. Black, bulging, three inches, eight inches. Now it was a foot high. It was an ant, antenna waving and pincers snapping. And it was getting bigger, two feet high, and counting. Demorph, I thought frantically, trying to scrabble away from the ant's sharp, snapping pincers. Demorph. And the ant was still growing, its arms and legs waving, hair sprouting from its bulby head. Hair? The tips of its top pair of legs swelled and fingers erupted. Its segmented body melted and ran together, reshaping into a sturdy human form. Wide human eyes popped out of its head, flanking a strong, familiar-looking nose. Schwip, schwip. Its pincers were jerked halfway back into its head, leaving the lethal tips spasming, and in between them, in some horrible, terrifying, morphing disaster, the ant's face split vertically and lips formed opened wide in a silent scream as gleaming white teeth erupted from the pink gums. Please no, I was gazing at myself. Somehow, and I don't know how, maybe through my own human survival instinct, I finished demorphing, shooting back up to my full height. Now I was looking the Aunt Cassie square in the eye. It was horrible, terrible. It writhed and jerked, body parts melting, then hardening from ant to human and back. Antenna burst from its human skull, were sucked back in, then shot out again. It looked around, eyes bulging with panic, and opened its mouth in a scream straight from my worst nightmares. Raw torment. I staggered back, clapped my hands over my ears, tried to shut out the unearthly shrieks. What had happened? Where had this second abomination come from? How could an ant have gained the power to morph? There was only one way. The blue box. The ant must have touched it. Yes, it had. Back when we were resting on the rocks, the ant had been crawling on the box and I'd flicked it off. Then it had crawled up my leg. It must have acquired me without having any idea of what it was doing. I glanced back at it, watching it scream and writhe like it was in mortal agony. Why would it be in pain? Morphing didn't hurt. And then the memories I had of being an ant resurfaced, and I knew why the Aunt Cassie was so terrified. For the same reason, except in reverse, that I never wanted to morph an ant again. 
They were all part of a collective, mindless, soulless beings without wills or thoughts of their own. When the ant had morphed a human, it had become an individual with freedom to choose, with free will. The human brain, with all its diversity and innate curiosity, must be completely overwhelming it. Logically, I knew that. Emotionally, I was watching myself twist and squirm and double over in agony, and I couldn't take it. Stop it, I shouted. Bad move. It reared up and focused on me, and then its pincers sprouted full length on either side of its human mouth, and it attacked. I stood, frozen in horror as it flung itself at me, stumbling awkwardly on two legs. Pincers snapping, grazing my leg. The pain woke me up. No, I screamed, darting sideways. The ant moved with me, waving its arms, smacking and slapping at me. She's trying to get away. The pincers clamp down on her arm, squeezing down, going to break it. Uh, and then the buffalo comes in. Um, and the, <laughs> when the buffalo enters, uh, the Aunt Cassie screams, dropping Cassie, wheeling to face the buffalo. Uh, crying, cradling my torn and bloody arm, I dragged myself out of the way. The Aunt Cassie, antenna waving madly and pincers snapping like the jaws of a steel trap, ran crazily at the buffalo. The buffalo twisted its horns and gored it right through the stomach. It screamed, arching backward, beating on the buffalo's head with its fists, and finally, with a wet, popping sound, pulling itself free. It staggered backward, clutching its bloody abdomen, pincers snapping weakly, and human mouth opening and closing. I was watching myself die, not as a human or an animal, but as a terrifyingly mindless drone. A nightmare. I threw up in the bushes, sat up, and wiped my mouth. The buffalo cried out in triumph. But it wasn't really triumph, because instead of dying, the Aunt Cassie was shrinking, demorphing into a vile jumble of ant and human parts growing tinier and tinier. No, I croaked. I staggered over, stomped the ground, stamped and crushed everything and everywhere, slammed my bare feet down again and again until it had to be dead because such a hideous abomination could never, ever be allowed to live. <sighs> so, apart from the well-written body horror and uh existential horror of literally watching yourself die this makes no sense at all even under the very shaky rules you've established with the fucking buffalo because the ant sure as shit can't picture cassie it can't even see all of cassie at once and then uh, the crowning achievement is Cassie completely ignoring her entire argument up until this point that like, oh, it's acquired human DNA and therefore is important now and fucking destroying this ant in horror and disgust. What the fuck? It's bad, yo. It's real bad. Watch the fly instead. <laughs> if I was feeling charitable, I might say that the reason why... Excuse me, I am trying to make analysis. Can you stop destroying furniture behind me? 
<laughs> Thank you. The reason why destroying this abomination, as she calls it, is different is because it's her DNA. Mm. And she's got enough self-loathing going on right now. You know, sure. Coupled with the <laughs> hatred of ants, that we of being ants, that uh-huh. uh, we know how much that traumatized them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the only grace I am willing to give this. And to be clear, that is me, Jade, applying like the view of distance and time in the context of the entire <laughs> book series. Because it's bad and it paints Cassie as a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. In a way that, to be fair, has been done well in canon before, because it is one rule for Cassie and one rule for other people, generally speaking. Um, or we have seen that to be the case. This is a commentary on the writing, not the character, to be clear. Um, but yeah, because she is also holding herself accountable for the buffalo as well. So it's not like, oh, well, it's when it's my mistake, I'm allowed to decide how to deal with it. Right. Um, there was a brief moment where I had an utter reading comprehension fail, though, and did think that she was dreaming. <laughs> and this was just a really horrible nightmare because I, like, when I said that the pain woke me up, yeah. I was like, did she fall asleep? No, this is just a writing choice. Okay. <laughs> Doubled back slightly. Has she been knocked out? Is she just having a bad time? No, this is actually happening, apparently. Cool. And also, I do want to contest how hard it is to fucking squash an ant. Yes. One singular ant? On, on no. dirt. Not on In like bare a... feet. Yeah. It... Yeah, it's just really... Again, it's just put here to shock and awe and like double down yeah. on the horror of it. And and the horror it, is there. Like, I right. cannot fault the horror, but the shitty justification for getting here, it does feel like, oh, I've got a really cool idea for like an Aunt Cassie hybrid mm-hmm. that fucks up Cassie real good. Which, to be fair, I'd be having nightmares about that shit for the rest of my fucking life. Mm-hmm. But it, that sometimes it does feel, and this I think is true of all writers, I think. It's just like, or directors, like anyone creating media, just like, I've got this really cool idea and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. How do you get there in the plot? Oh, I'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. Kind of just happened because it's cool. And then they just put in the, the thinnest justification slash explanation for how it's happening. Yeah. Because they wanted to do a cool thing. I which get is it. we all want to which do is, cool you know things. What? Acceptable in in like comedies or romance or fan fiction and a lot of yeah, different but, yeah. like they're in this situation because I said so. But Yeah, but like like you say, this is this is canon and this is already playing so fast and loose with established rules of canon and then chooses to ignore its own Yeah, it's when you write science fiction you are beholden, you need to be consistent. Yes, you're beholden to a certain internal consistency. You can throw whatever crazy ass shit you want at me. I would accept this if this were the second book in the series. Because we don't know that much about the, the morphing cube. Sure, 
Maybe that is how it works. That's fucking terrifying. But that's mm. not what they've established and worked with up until this point. And it's not how anything works ever again. It's yeah, just like, here. Suspension of disbelief only goes so far. Um, and, like, there's an amount that, as a reader of speculative fiction, you buy in. Like, yeah, I accept this is the rules of the world, mm -hmm. and you do suspend your disbelief. But then this comes along and it's too far. You're bending it too far. You broke it. You bent it so far that you broke it. It's broken mm -hmm. now. You fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, like you say, like, you can't, you have to play within the established rules of the setting or be very clear about how it's an exception. Or it just yeah. won't, doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And then you get very angry, irate fans yelling <laughs> on a podcast about it. <laughs> I mean, 20 yes, years the later. passion, the passion <laughs> cannot be denied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't you know that fucking 13 years after publication, people were going to be real <laughs> upset about this and pulling it to pieces in a three hour recording? Come uh -huh. on now. Where's your foresight? This will bite me in the ass if somebody decides to analyze one of the actual play podcasts I'm in and in 10 years <laughs> is talking about my shitty choices. And you know what? To them I say, good luck. I'm glad you enjoyed what I did enough to rip it apart. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it just is. And like, this is a absolutely horrifying image that definitely stuck with me. But I took that image and nothing else from this book because fuck that. I don't, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have any weight in the long term of things. There is no like, oh, we got to make sure that we keep the morphing cube away from literally anything that could touch it because God forbid, like, there, it, it has no consequences on the larger story and it's just here to break the rules and then go away. And you know what? Like, it's a one-off book. You could easily skip this book. We're getting to the ending question now. You could easily skip this book and lose absolutely nothing in terms of the the rest of the series. And maybe that's just what we have to leave it at. It's just like, it's just nothing. You just skip this book, pretend it doesn't exist. But then like... it, it It's weird to me because like when... When I first kind of started getting back into the Animorphs fandom um, and like re-listening to uh, or re-reading -re and listening to some analyses of it, there's a lot of like, oh, well, it's ghostwritten, so you know it's going to be bad. And it's like, on the one hand, yes. To an extent, yes. However, we do know that K.A. gave very detailed outlines to their ghostwriters in order to write. And so like, the things to do with the action not making sense, that's obviously the ghostwriter's fault, right? The ghostwriter did not do a good job of stringing things together properly, and the lack of cohesion of the book as a whole, and the fact that it kind of repeats itself over and over, that's the ghostwriter's fault. But this idea of a buffalo gets the morphing power by touching the cube, maybe they intended it to be like, Cassie is touching the cube and, you know, hits the buffalo with it. And, like, maybe that that transferred it. Not it's on the ground. And they just didn't think about it when they edited it or whatever. But, like, 
it's partly their fault and I'm mad at them for it because they clearly uh, are it, just like, well, it's a fun sci-fi romp. Buckle up. And I'm just like, no, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it has to make sense. It's entirely possible that uh, neurotypical fans might not be as angry <laughs> about it. Um, but who can say? Not I. Um, I'm sorry, Danielle's incandescent rage is warming me <laughs> transatlantically. Um, it's very good. Uh, but no, the thing is, and we've said this with some of the other books, like when something feels so good at times, when you hold something so important to yourself and some, so dear and are so invested, to then have something come along, go, actually, all those things that you base thoughts and feelings on, we're just going to ignore that for the sake of a bit. It feels disrespectful mm -hmm. of everything that's sort of gone before it. Yeah. And so I think it's right that it has our, our, has provoked such ire, frankly, because it's like you didn't even have the decency to justify your bullshit. Mm -hmm. And to say, oh, well, it's ghostwritten or, oh, these are children's books. Don't take them so seriously. I feel like is minimizing it like i appreciate ghost writers are there doing a job they're getting a paycheck but you should care i'm sorry to be blunt but <laughs> i don't like when people just like why do this job just for the paycheck mm -hmm. like i don't get it and it's saddening because this Ghostwriter clearly can write, maybe not action very well, mm -hmm. but like, I would fucking read a horror short story by this author. Like, mm -hmm. holy shit, they know how to write a scary visual. Mm -hmm. They're good at certain kinds of characterization. They're good at group dynamics. There are elements peppered throughout that speak to the skills of both this ghostwriter and the world building as a whole, which makes the fact that it feels like such a fucking miss and such a fuck up all the more frustrating. Mm -hmm. I feel very Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are the chosen one. You were supposed <laughs> to. <laughs> you were yeah. trusted with this. It was supposed to be better. Um, yeah. That's kind of the vibe I've got right now. And, and a lot of the, like, oh, you shouldn't take it seriously, it's just a children's book, but, like, also, they're trying to tell a really complex war story, and you can't have both. It's either a children's book series that's just a fun romp, and nobody gets lasting injuries or hurt or whatever, or <laughs> you're telling a complex story with a lot of consequences... And you just had a story that literally will never come up again or have any other sort of impact on anything mm -hmm. because it sounded cool. Feels bad. Does feel bad. We should finish this book. And not yeah. only because we have friends who also need <laughs> the recording there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, so she is saved by the buffalo. And, uh, she morphs the offspring and the buffalo kind of looks at her like, I don't have a bird morph. What am I supposed to do? 
Um, and she says, I have to go now. Thank you for saving my life. Knowing it couldn't understand me. The buffalo's ears twitched, and then I knew what I had to say. You are good, I said softly. Its ears came forward, and it made a soft, almost friendly sound. The helicopter buzzed into sight, and then the dragon bean blew up the buffalo. Which is... <laughs> I shouldn't the be laughing. The fact that you laughed, but the fact that you laughed as you said that is telling though like i appreciate what you said about like this is a moment but also like that buffalo doesn't understand the word she's saying it might be responding to the way she is saying it mm -hmm. but this is so trite yeah like this is <laughs> and it's unintentionally hilarious this feels like something from a naked gun movie just like good job buffalo you did it <laughs> like that it's, feels like slapstick comedy in a and shouldn't be there. That's why you you were trying so hard to give that the moment it deserved as you read that out loud. And the fact that you then couldn't get through it without laughing <laughs> tells you about the bad writing. <laughs> it's not good writing. The phrase the, the dragon beam blew up the buffalo is objectively a funny phrase. It is. I'm not going to deny that. Um, but you know oh. what this reminds me of? A less gory version of that moment in Jurassic Park where Lex reaches out to pet like the, uh -huh. the dinosaur is and then it sneezes in her face. Yes. That's yes. this, but with a blown up buffalo. <laughs> like, not, not pictured. Cassie in Osprey Moth getting covered with fucking buffalo chunks. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the buffalo sauce you do not want. Like, oh god, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'm going to hell. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you, as a, as a fucking English person, finding out the buffalo sauce is just butter and hot sauce mixed together, it's like, why the fuck is it called buffalo sauce? No one can tell me. Anyway, we need to finish the book. Yeah. Um, at this. And as I said, this was like a very clunky attempt at pathos. And this is a moment for Cassie, not for the buffalo. Mm -hmm. Like, this is her making herself feel better. Whether or not she's aware of that fact, which she might not be. Because this does, as is written, does feel like a moment of, like, peace. And mm -hmm. it is what she wanted, which is a quick death for the buffalo where it's not in distress. Mm -hmm. Like, great job. But Ghost Rider, you made an accidentally hilarious thing here. So, yeah, I think you pathosed wrong. <laughs> yeah, you um, did a bad job. I'm sorry. I sound mean, but like you haven't earned a pathos moment. So yes. I'm glad that it doesn't deliver very well. Yes, frankly, because it isn't deserved. Yeah, the the it taken. Without any of the context, just the, like, you're good, and its ears come forward, and it makes, like, a soft sound. Like, that is, that, that is... Yeah, that, that two-line exchange. Yeah. That is, that is perfectly combined to pull at the strings of anyone who has ever watched an animal movie and cried when the animal dies, right? Like... Yeah. <laughs> that, I that is... I those movies. No judgment. This is not yeah. a judgment. I am absolutely one of those people. Um, and 
so like there there's an attempt here but you're you're right like the, the pathos hasn't i don't know that it's been earned mm-hmm. like i feel sorry for the buffalo yeah because so it's caught I. in this story yeah it is this buffalo deserves better <laughs> hashtag justice for the buffalo <laughs> uh and like I'm it's sorry. not hard to feel sorry for it when you take an animal out of all of its normal uh yeah environments yeah. and put that it in something that's having a real bad day exactly it's not hard to to feel bad for it and to yeah. to feel some emotion yeah. for it and like to kind of cheer when it comes through and saves cassie from aunt cassie right like yeah these are great things yeah but it's all Still, just kind no. of yeah. also it doesn't understand the word good Mm-hmm. It has no context. It knows it's a sound. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like, like, give me that good comic where death collects a dog's soul and it's just like, was I a good boy? Yes, you were. That incredible poetry. Put it on the wall of a museum. This is mm, not that. <laughs> Uh, and I'm if, sure if you really wanted to, you could drag up, oh, well, it's had enough of a human brain and it might be able to pull on the notion that good, the, that that sound of coming out of that bird's brain into your brain is a good thing. <laughs> uh, I will, I will counter with, with giving it, if I gave it the most benefit of the doubt, as you have been giving other things, uh, this buffalo lived at a zoo. And interacted theoretically with a bunch of trainers who may have taught it a variety of behaviors over the years just to facilitate its care, as you do with Perhaps. most zoo animals. And so maybe it has come to understand the word good in response to that, right? It is a word of praise. You could do that. However, not earned, yeah, we don't know never mentioned. We don't know. We don't know how long that buffalo was at the zoo. Right. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right. So okay, she let's flies get away. To the poorly executed anvil plan. She flies away. She follows the helicopter out to the ocean where her friends are already dolphins swimming along. Uh, the helicopter and a bug fighter are just firing at the dolphins. The dolphins are having a very bad time by, because they're getting hit by dragon fire and have to like, continuously dive and try to not die um and so she is chasing the helicopter trying to get into position she has to tell the others not to move because when they move the helicopter moves and you can't drop a whale on a helicopter that is moving um and so she goes until she's directly overhead the others are dying and so she morphs she she does the thing but she's too exhausted um, she doesn't have the energy at all in order to, to do this like she normally would. Because, you know, we've mentioned all of this starting and stopping and, and running and then fighting and all that sort of, sort of shit. Like, they have morphed at least, like, a dozen to two dozen times easily in this book. Um, and so she can't do it like she normally would. She can't hold on to the osprey wings like she normally would. She can't slow down her descent enough that she's whale enough 
that when she hits the rotor blades of the helicopter, she will survive and take the helicopter down. Like, it's not going to work. She realizes it's not going to work. Her friends below her realize it's not going to work. Uh, I will say, that conversation later, fucking hilarious. Yes. For what they're talking about, yes. impeccable. Yes. Um, then the helicopter pilot looks up and sees her uh, because there are some gulls flying by. Like there's, they move the heli- the helicopter pilot looks up because there's movement, sees her and begins to move. So at least she's not going to die by being helicopter rotored to death. Uh, so that's nice, but she's going to completely miss the helicopter. It's going to be, uh, it, it, it's going to be totally worthless. And all of her friends are going to die because the bug fighter is going to either shoot them or she's going to land on them and kill them. Um, the end. Uh, and then one of the gulls gets sucked into the helicopter's powerful jet engine intake like a hairball into a vacuum hose, and the helicopter explodes into a ball of fire. We aren't joking. That's that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, she's blown away in the blast. Knocked unconscious, lands in the ocean. Um, and the last thing I thought in the millisecond before it all went black was after all this, all it took was one poor seagull. Yeah, I feel like this was a waste of a book too, Cassie. Mm hmm. Uh, it feels extremely cheap, is the thing. Yeah. Like, I. I understand if you're going to say, like, no, there have been consequences of all this morphing they've done. She's too tired to do it. Then, like, have something else work out. Or she still hits it and it knocks into the bug fighter or something. I don't fucking know. But not just, like, a random seagull gets sucked in and that's the only reason the human race survives. Like, what the fuck? Ugh. It's like and, for one of a nail in the worst fucking way. Yeah. Um, Cassie comes to being held up by a bunch of dolphins, one of whom has the blue box. Um, her friends are keeping her afloat in the ocean um, where she demorphed while unconscious, which we've seen people do before. Um, and... She's like, at first she begins to panic because she remembers everything that happened. Um, but Rachel is able to calm her down. Um, and she's like, uh, what the fuck happened? Um, and Marco's like, oh yeah, you missed all the fireworks. Uh, one minute we're watching this whale, this whale, the size of a FedEx truck dropping out of the sky. And we're thinking, uh oh, she's not big enough to take down that helicopter and live through it. You weren't thinking it, you were screaming it, Rachel said sweetly. Screeching like a bad set of brakes, Jake teased, emitting a loud and continual series of high-pitched shrieks similar to an unauthorized entry into a dome ship airlock, Axe added. Silence. Well, it was an accurate comparison, Axe said defensively. Yeah, Marco <laughs> giggled. But it sure wasn't funny, Axe man, he said, poking his sleek head up out of the water and giving one of those crazy flipperesque cackles. Your humor is highly overrated, Axe muttered. It certainly is when Marco uses it, Jake said. Anyway, Mark said loudly, here you are falling through the sky and all of a sudden, boom. 
A gull got sucked into the helicopter's engine. Uh, but that was nothing compared to the Aunt Cassie that almost killed me back in the woods with its pincers. The buffalo saved my life. You had an aunt who tried to kill you with her pincers, Rachel said, giving me a playful nudge. Boy, and I thought Tobias's family was bad. <laughs> Not that kind of aunt, I said crossly. I know, Rachel said. Geez, where's your sense of humor? Probably caught back in the dome ship's airlock with axes, Marco muttered. <laughs> Which I, is what great. I love about this scene is, is like it has that kind of if you've ever been so tired that everything is funny. Mm -hmm. it's got a touch of that like you get a little bit hysterical um it's just this interplay with the kids being so in character uh this is one of weirdly enough given everything that comes for it this is one of my favorite kickflip into the suns yeah because the, the everybody feels so on point we get a bit about of everyone's sense of humor like acts laughs at one of Jake's jokes and Marco is horrified. Um oh while all this is going on, like Cassie is still berating herself mm -hmm. for the death of the buffalo, uh zones out of thinking about it. Um and, and Cassie needs the reassurance that please tell me that the Gamma <coughs> consensus are destroyed. Um and she's like, so you're pretty sure so you're pretty sure the sensors are DOA, I said. Say yes, Jake. I begged silently. Say yes. Please don't tell me this whole mission has been in vain. That I had to confront my physical self as an ant, a mutant, a thing. Yeah, we're ninety percent sure. Ninety-nine percent sure, Cassie. Oh great. That left a one percent wild card. Cassie, you did great, Jake said in private thought speak. And I have to tell you, when I saw you heading for that chopper blade, well, Mark, I wasn't the only one freaking out. We moved out of the way and dove deep when you all came down, but when you hit the water, you were burned pretty bad, and we were going crazy trying to get you to demorph. You were only, like, half conscious, but I guess that was enough. I'm glad, he said simply. Me too, I said. Survival instincts. Funny how our own genetic programming would automatically kick in when our logical, reasoning, conscious human brains weren't around to jam them up. Me too what? Tobias asked. It's private force, big bird boy. Jake's getting all Dharma and Greg on us with Cassie. Um, <laughs> Cassie laughs, but shiverings that comes out of. I wasn't embarrassed that Marco had guessed what was going on. Jake and I liked each other a lot, and that like each other a lot, and that's no secret. Um, and then uh, Jake's just like, okay, let's let's blow this popsicle stand. I'm done with this day at the beach. How about you guys? Your wish is my command, Prince Jake. Marco said. Then I wish you'd be quiet. Jake drawled. Ha ha. Axe said. Ha. We all looked <laughs> to him amazed. That was, I believe, the appropriate response to human humor. Correct, he said calmly. Then dove and just like does a dolphin hop jump out of the water. And Marco's like, I quit. <laughs> if Axe is going, ha ha. After all, Jake's people jokes from now on. I swear, I quit. Um, but he wouldn't, and we knew it. None of us would, no matter how bad the bad the odds or the humor. Don't like that last exchange. It's a bit like trite. But, um, yeah, like the moment with Jake and Cassie is very good, yeah, and sweet, and uh, shout out to the uh the marco cassie jake o t three crowd, Marco <laughs> being the one loudly freaking out about Cassie dying, possibly dying, uh-huh, uh-huh, good shit, I mean, I do think because Marco has had some of the worst injuries, 
mm-hmm. um, and being so aware of how bad the situation is and freaking out um, mm-hmm. is kind of amazing and perfect to me. Mm-hmm. So, because he's allowed to freak out because more than anyone else as well. Because, like, he doesn't have to be stoic like Jake or Rachel. He can be the one to yell and scream and be, like, horrified. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. This bit at the end where she's musing on the buffalo and she's, like, thinking about how the buffalo bravely fought side by side with us. Had it done it because the human DNA in its veins had stirred and somehow linked us together? Or had it simply been following his buffalo instincts and done whatever he had to do to protect its adopted herd? Like, Cassie, one, humans do not have a monopoly on bravery. Uh, and two, you know that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Not once. And you have been so many fucking animals, Cassie. Not once has that happened to you. The fuck? Give this girl a nap at a better ghost rider. <laughs> Uh, let's get to the end. Um, let's get to the end. Uh, so Jawasco did put in a question talking about, does the author do a good job of building pathos and empathy toward the buffalo, as well as some other comments in Rot 13 that I will not get into because they contain some uh, spoilers. Uh, I will say, yes, I did notice the similarity you mentioned. Yes, it does hurt me. Uh, but I do think Don't that the th- similarities are entirely superficial. Uh, Don't I and... suffer enough without this coded double speak? No. I... <laughs> <laughs> wow, you heard it here first, folks. Danielle doesn't think I suffer enough. Wow. Well, we'll get there. It'll be fine. Um, hate it. Thanks. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we 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 did talk about how we we think it has some pathos, but that it's not necessarily earned pathos. Um. And that, like, it it makes me sad in the sense that you have this confused animal who's just trying to make sense out of this no good, terrible, rotten, bad day, uh, and dies in the end for it, um, after rescuing Cassie, um, but, you know... I don't, I don't think it is, I, I don't, I don't think it is in any way, uh, redemptive to the rest of the book. Yeah. And like, to just, uh, to Joasco's point, like, I don't think they do a good enough job building empathy because I think it's othered too much for the most part. Mm hmm. Um, it has the brief moments, but for the most part, it's like what even with Cassie's hand wringing about it, it's mm-hmm. so frequently um not put on any elevation. It's just like this horrible thing that is happening. Sure, it's not described in the same way as the Aunt Cassie is, which is a particular cocktail of nightmare fuel um of its own, but it's pitied and it's othered. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's if if empathy was the point, it missed mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, hyper-empathy a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Do I feel bad for that one buffalo? Yeah. Shitty day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that's like me understanding it. That's not because I think it was especially well written. So, yeah. Uh, possible rankings. Plot. Zero. Yeah. There is nothing redeeming about the plot of this book. I think a good story could have been made about, like, the Helmicron sensors being utilized. There are a couple of crumbs of ideas, but the chase has been done better in a different book. Yeah. And like, to speak, I hope you understand how difficult it is to speak highly of Megamorph's one. <laughs> <laughs> like, that book ain't great. No, it's not. <laughs> but it did do this concept better. It did. Even with the amnesia. Oh, God, I forgot about the amnesia, amusingly <laughs> enough. <laughs> so bad. Yep. No, yep. nil pla. <clears throat> None. Uh, characterization. Not as terrible, at least for the others. Yeah. Uh, Cassie characterization, three, four, it feels like it took what's good. And while you could have some interesting discussions about elements of it, I think it's more in the abstract rather than a direct commentary on what's been written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but uh, for the- I do yeah. like Jake and the little snippets we have of the others, I find pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, enjoyability slash satisfaction. None. None. I did not enjoy myself. I enjoyed talking about it with Danielle, raging about it. <laughs> I did not enjoy the act of reading the book. And yeah. it doesn't have enough going for it to be satisfying. Yeah. I I might give it a one just for the decent body horror. Yeah, okay. But yeah, that's yeah. it. Okay. I guess it can have a point for that. Yeah. Uh, did you have a favorite part? Uh, that ending chapter is very good, frankly. Apart mm-hmm. from the bits where they're talking about the buffalo and the mm-hmm. last line. Mm-hmm. Um, but that conversation with them all as dolphins around Cassie supporting her through this mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. good. And I also genuinely quite liked the um, the scene of Cassie in the car with her mum and then at the gardens evade everything up until the buffalo. <laughs> I think is actually pretty good. Yeah. After Eric shows up to the buffalo, <laughs> like I, uh, that does a good job of the tension that then becomes exhausting as the book goes on. Mm-hmm. What about uh, you? Anything redeemable for you? I think my favorite part is just that one moment between Rachel and Cassie, where Rachel is mm. like, uh, "You do the right thing; I'll do the necessary thing." Uh, because that sniped me from orbit out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, uh, I I was well well into my anger at this book and just like this book is bad and I want to be done with it already. And then that happened and I was like, fuck, I let down all of my defenses. God. Yeah, how dare a bad book have such a good line. Like, come on. That line deserves a better book. It does. It does. Uh, did anything surprise you? How bad? It bad. It's so bad. It's so dumb. It bad. <laughs> I'm mad yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, Visa 3 confronting a buffalo. Kind of <laughs> 
It is pretty funny. The, the visual <laughs> of an Andalite squaring up to an African Cape buffalo mm-hmm. is very good. Mm-hmm. In isolation. Yep. I see you have horns. I have ice stalks. Sup. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's good. Yep. It's it's very axe taking down a T-Rex vibe. Mm. Uh, um, any part that didn't make sense or didn't understand, we have shredded this. This, <laughs> this, we ha- there is nothing left. We we smote it. <laughs> we have extracted anything of worth. We strip mined this book. It's mm-hmm. gone. There, there is nothing left. Yeah, um, you've heard it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is absolutely not essentially an worth reading. No, do not waste your time. Enjoy our suffering. Yep. As I'm Absolute. prone to saying, suffering is best enjoyed as a team sport. Um, <laughs> uh, entirely skippable. Honestly, better if you skip it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think there is anything you could get from reading this book that you wouldn't get just from listening to us talk about it. And I mm-hmm. don't say that to aggrandize ourselves. <laughs> so anything of merit we read out loud. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Frankly, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, what are we doing next time, Danielle? We should next tell the time people. Next time we're talking about book number 40, The Other, which is the Gay Andalites book. Um, it's also the book in which uh, Axe is just the fucking worst. Like, holy fucking shit, is he the worst? Um. We're, we're, we are going to have a guest for that one uh, to help us discuss some of the ableism that runs fucking rampant through the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> but it is a Marco book. It does have some interesting things about it. Mostly the interesting things are these two new characters that are now in the background. Um, uh, it doesn't really have that much merit outside of that, actually. Like th- I can't believe it's taken this long for Danielle to mention that there are gay andalites uh, to me. <laughs> so I am excited for that. Yeah. Uh, uh it it it's they're good. Gaffinolan and Myrtle well, are good. Uh everything we'll, else. We'll get into it. Nah. Not so much. <laughs> okay. Uh my impassioned co-hosts <laughs> with all of their delightful rage. And insight has been Danielle. You can continue finding them online at Red Tail Talk 90. And if you want a more respectful take on animals, you should check out Dumb Kids Playing Hero, the actual play podcast that we do where we do our own take on animals and we do care about the rules established in the universe. <laughs> you should also check out Danielle's home podcast, The Room Where It Happened. They're currently in their third season, Elder, Elder County, Tennessee, playing Urban Shadows. If you want your urban fantasy a little bit more rural and a little bit more Appalachian, go check it out. There's a really cool faction game as well as the uh, player characters' stories all very neatly interwoven. And on the Roomware YouTube, you can see some very cool little horror vignettes that Brian, the GM, has been doing. So uh, it's cool shit. Go vibe. Enjoy this book. Uh, And my incredible patient co-host has been Jade. (laughs) Uh, You can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose. Uh, You can also catch them on Nun Kids Playing Hero. 
Uh, and you should listen to their home podcast, Follow the Leader, uh, which is an actual play podcast where they play a whole bunch of GMless tabletop games, except between seasons, they're going to be doing a very special game of Pathfinder, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, that should be interesting. Uh, also, all of season six is up and is just some of their best character work to date. They do some really, really awesome, cool shit. Um, and uh, Jade is hands down one of the best role players I know, so you should go listen to them talk about their characters. Uh, yeah. You can find Follow the Leader at FTLcast on Twitter or wherever you get your podcast. So, let's, clap. Uh, let's do a clap. Uh, 15? Yeah. Yep. Yeah.